Welcome to ESPN's The Far Post podcast. We're back for another express post during this Women's World Cup. We are up to episode three, which means we are reviewing day three's matches. And it was a big day. There was a lot of football on. If you wanted to just sit in front of the couch and do nothing else, the World Cup had you sorted. So we can't wait to crack into all of the results. But before we do, we want to acknowledge the traditional owners of the lands we're recording on today, the Wurundjeri and Yuggera people, and pay our respects to their elders past and present. For today's episode, you've got me, Marissa Lordanik, Anna Harrington, and Angela Christian-Wilkes. So friends, we've got sad news to report first. Um, it's the the end of the penalty streak. We had eight straight games of penalties. People did not know how to uh, convert a lot of these penalties, but the streak is now gone. There was no penalty in England, Denmark. So it's a rest in peace to the streak. Um, Just quickly though, because a colleague of mine at ESPN found the stats and the way we were going with one a game was like record setting pace. 2019, Um, 26 penalties were given in 52 games, which meant there was like basically half a penalty or 0.5 penalties per game for the entire tournament. And that was the record setting pace. So we've literally jumped out of the blocks in 2023, but, um, yeah, it's a very sad morning. RIP streak. You will never be forgotten, but we move on to the actual action of the day. We started with the USA beating Vietnam 3-0. We had England defeat Haiti 1-0. We had Japan demolish Zambia 5-0. And we ended things with Denmark defeating China 1-0. But we're going to start with the England-Haiti game. You were covering it, Harrow. So tell us a little bit about England-Haiti. It was chaotic, wasn't it? Um, I think the word I used to describe, I was filing on it, for a, but when, when am I not filing? This is what I do. Um, was England were unconvincing um, and that uh, Melchie Domino stole the show. Uh, I think they were the two things that really summed up this game. I think when you looked at the stats, you'd have gone, oh, geez, England just couldn't convert their chances. And, and to an extent, I think that's true. They had some really good chances. The um, the Haiti goalkeeper, Teos, was fantastic, like made some huge saves. and. I think probably the best one, I think Sam might have said this on Twitter as well, was the one that she made to deny Georgia Stanway from the spot only for on closer inspection she had very clearly encroached, like it come a fair way off her line. But she made some really great stops to deny um, Alessia Russo in particular. Um, but, yeah, that was one end of it. At the other end, or just everywhere else, to be honest, it was Dumino, the 19-year-old sensation. She's been signed by Lyon. She was good enough to have a little bit of a chat to the media um, coming through the mix zone, um, which is super impressive. Spoke, I thought, beyond her years, especially given it would have been second language as well. Um, she was everywhere. She was creative. She was tough. She was good in the air. Um, I love that she nearly, she nearly set up a goal, and I think it was the 14th minute, by just reading how the ball came off at aerial contest. Millie Bright went up with someone, and when it landed, then I pinched it away. But she, the be- I think the best bit was when um, – she forced this big save from Mary Earps um, early in the second half and she just kept on creating and Haiti, I think, really did and should have scored. Earps deserves a heap of credit for two really, really big saves. Um, I think Haiti had sort of run their race um, by the time Earps had to make her second save, um, which was, apologies for pronunciation, Rosaline 
Elosan in about 10 minutes to go in the game. Um, but they were fantastic. Like, you think they'd be overawed by the occasion. I think because they started with such intensity, you were worried would they run out of gas? Like, would England overrun them? But they were just so exciting. They rose the occasion. They um, made every 50-50 ball theirs. Um, they didn't sit back either. They weren't playing, like, shit football. They were playing attacking football, exciting football. And to be fair, when you, you look at the difference in, um, you know, resources that say Haiti were compared to England who we know have had this really big training camp. They've been up on the Sunshine Coast. They've got some of the biggest and best names in the world. And you've got this 19-year-old sensation just running rings around him. I saw her play as well also in that um, playoff game against Chile where they just had no answers for her. And she just seems to be getting better. Um, but Marissa, I take it you watched this as well. I, I mean, I, I wasn't super convinced by England and I did enjoy sort of letting the English press pack that happened to have the misfortune of being in the same um, media tribune row with me, um, what I thought of them. <laughs> but, yeah, it was, uh, yeah, a really, really nice surprise, I think. And 44,000 people at Suncorp Stadium. Most of them were Poms, but there was a fair bit of Haiti support by the end of that. I think that was my favourite part, the 44,000 strong crowd for a neutral game. I'm going to attempt to add Angela to the chat. Can you hear us, Angela? Yes. Oh, yes. All right. Do you have some thoughts about England, Haiti? What a fantastic game. Just ah, a lot of fun. Um, and, yeah, just a really exciting one to watch. I guess there's a neutral, but I was definitely, I don't know, I was kind of sat there in my England shirt being lit. You, uh, no, like, I don't know. They just, yeah, weren't particularly exciting to end the opportunities that they did have. Like, yes, they did have a lot of opportunities and you've give, already given um, extensive portraits to the keeper there because she was just fantastic. Um, but it felt like the chances weren't well worked. I don't know. I feel like... I saw, I haven't seen the highlights yet for the um, Zambia-Japan game, but I saw that on Twitter in one goal in particular, people were like, that was such a sexy goal. There would have been no goals where people were saying that about England had they converted any of those chances. You know what I mean? Like it was, I yeah, it just didn't feel, I guess it it does kind of sit within my understanding of how they've played in the past like year or so. Um, and a lot of, I suppose English media will be quick to point, I guess, like they do start slow in tournaments, but this was particularly slow and then not particularly frightening at the moment. So it will be interesting to see, yeah, how England go. But um, Haiti, like, yeah, what a joy to be able to watch them at this level and, yeah, have one of these really exciting stories so early on in the tournament as well. So... Yeah, that was it. Was a it was a good game. Double thumbs up, and yay for internet working. You're back. Um, it raised some pretty big question marks over England. I think I know this is game one, but geez, Millie Bright looks so rusty. Um, and you know, understandably, she's not played a heat lately. Uh, and she, I'm sure they'll say. I think Serena Vaughan said that they were really happy with their game, and I imagine for them, it would have just been getting some of the cobwebs out, getting her through that rust, and 
probably, to be honest, a good game for that. Like, actually did get challenged a few times. It's not just, you know, where you're just standing around <laughs> having to, you know, uh, pick a few passes and that sort of thing. Genuinely had to work really hard. But, yeah, I think the main feel is they're just lacking that punch in attack, right? It's been, it was the talk all the way through leading in who would start. Um, would it be Rachel Daly after that sensational WSL season? And um, they went with Alessia Russo, who I thought really came into the game after this around that sort of 60-minute mark, but she could have done that from the bench, right? Um, they didn't get a heap of drive out of Ella Toon. Um, I think those two super subs from the Euros, I think their starting roles are something that's that's come up a bit. Um, yeah, I, I don't know if they – I'm not an expert on the England team. I don't know if they should have gone for a daily or even a Beth England, who I love as a striker, to start to, to take on that workload a la – um, Ellen White and then bring so on but it just feels like it's not all clicked into place just yet they're like in the sense that it doesn't need to fully click yet but they don't have that much time I think that's a really good point like the way they were at the Euros the way they played at the Euros was obviously so successful but they have not yet figured out how to transition that style into the now with the players they have now whether they can figure that out in time remains to be seen but we will find out Angela you had your hand up uh, I was just gonna say um the the pundit said before the game you know oh you, you'd expect England to win comfortably and I'm like mm, they won uncomfortably I would say that was like a very uncomfortable win in the end and I think it's it's uh yeah it's hopefully a wake-up call for them because I suspect they would have come into this thinking that they yeah, would have won comfortably, and they did not. They really had to work for that. So on one hand, yeah, maybe a good thing that um, they actually tested this early on, but on the other hand, could bode could could mean some underlying symptoms that might not get better. So that was a ter- terrible metaphor so early in the morning. I'm sorry, guys. They also looked better, I thought, once Lauren James came on and gave him a bit of spark, a bit of energy, a bit of creativity, and... You know, just hitting some of those those roles where, yeah, I think Angela summed it up well. As much as they had a lot of shots and chances, a lot of them were pretty half chancy. Or, yeah, certainly, um, yeah, not an acclaimed style of football. The chances they were creating, they got away with one there. They definitely did, and I liked how you put it of just like an uncomfortable win, Angela, because I think it was also the most uncomfortable game for a team playing a World Cup debutante, and we had three out of four from yesterday's game. So the England-Haiti result, the fact that it was only 1-0, that everyone looked like, if Haiti had scored, I wouldn't have batted an eyelid. Like, that's how well they kind of played. It was definitely the most uncomfortable result, and also just a real testament to Haiti on their World Cup debut completely fearless in their play they were like yeah you're England so what good luck to you basically um and I wrote it down because I had obviously watched Zambia Japan earlier in the day so we can talk a little bit about that but the way Haiti played is the way I expected Zambia to play and it wouldn't surprise me if a few people expected Zambia to play that as well just because of what we saw of them at the Olympics so my question is with this Zambia Japan game is 5-0, did that kind of shock you or is that what you expected from these two teams? Kind of shocked me. Mm. Um, I, I'm not surprised that Japan were very good. I, I feel like a lot of people were coming into this game talking like Japan were like, no good, <laughs> like that Zambia are going to win this or the real chance to win. I, I always thought Japan would win. 
Um, I don't know if that's just Australian football based for you of Japan, because whenever the Matildas or Socceroos play them in a major tournament, it doesn't go well for us. So um, I have maybe missed, maybe even an unhealthy level of respect for Jan- for Japan as a football team. Um, geez, they were good though. I bar their battles with the offside flag early on in the in, in the game, they had two goals and a penalty um, denied for for offside. Um, Mina Tanaka had two goals um, chalked off, and Zambia, geez, their goalkeeper could feel a little bit unlucky because she got her first yellow card for. The penalty that was then um, overturned because the Japan player was offside and then she gets the second one when she concedes the penalty in injury time in the second half. So one, you know, had the offside been called earlier for that instance, she wouldn't have needed to foul and get the yellow card at all. And then she gets the, the second one. Anyway, um, I digress. Japan played some of the best football this tournament. This is the biggest scoreline of the tournament to date. Um I felt like um, Junendo was everywhere and just so, so good. Player of the match, um, uh, Hinata Miyazawa, was really good as well. Gave that sort of clinical edge. Stayed on side when they really needed someone to as well. Um, I, I really loved the Endo goal as well. That was probably my highlight because he had that build-up from everywhere and they sort of played it all around. And then the ball um, gets worked back to Hasegawa and she just plays this incredible splitting pass through everyone like through all the lines um, to, to find Endo who sort of charges forward and then makes the goal look look really easy. Um, and again, we had we had we've had a couple of encroachment penalties um, at least yesterday. Mentioned, well, I didn't mention before, but the Georgia Stanway one, um, which she buried the second time, and Japan um, obviously as well, where you had um, Rico Uweki come on and pretty bad pen, and it was the the substitute goalkeeper who actually. Um, made a really big save from it, um, Sakala, Eunice Sakala, and uh, then was called back for being offside. And this time she made no mistake and put it in the bottom corner. But, yeah, I, I was surprised that Zambia sort of folded the way they did. Barbara Bandit was completely kept out of the game, and that, that's a credit to Japan. I mean, when you've got Saki Kumago leading your defence as well, you shouldn't really be underestimated. But, yeah, I love the way Japan played. I can't wait to see them play Spain. I reckon that's going to be, like, one of the games of the tournament. I was already excited for it, but now I'm like, next level because you just can have like these ballers technical players just going head to head and um yeah it, it's gonna be awesome it was Which? genuinely so stunning to watch um that was the 5 5 p.m 5 30 kickoff so you're just kind of lounging about your day's done and japan is offering you a little entree before you have dinner and i was like this is sensational thank you japan um but yeah, like I said before, my I was disappointed in Zamb. Like I expected chaos from Zambia because they literally built an entire Olympic campaign on chaos. And I do think they could have very easily still conceded five, but I expected maybe like a five-two scoreline or a five-three scoreline. Um so I think they'll be disappointed. We did mention yesterday though that they have lost two players in the last week that had to be withdrawn from the squad. So I wonder if there is just a bit of um, upheaval and all that kind of stuff. Also, you know, the Olympics is huge. The World Cup is bigger. I don't think that's a controversial thing to say. So whether that sense of occasion has kind of um, added to everything for Zambia. But, yeah, they'll definitely, like, I still expect them to eventually bring the chaos. Um, 
but yeah, I think they'll be definitely disappointed that they weren't able to kind of start this tournament the way many people expected them to and probably the way they expected to as well. But we'll move on to our final debutante of the day, which was Vietnam losing 3-0 to the US. If we're going to talk about surprising scorelines, this was it, but it was a positive surprise. Um, how how much do you think Vietnam will be like, yes, we lost 3-0, but that's probably one of the best 3-0 losses we're ever going to have as a nation because it was against the bloody two-time reigning champions. It's very Regina George punched me in the face once. It was awesome. Kind of energy, I suppose, but yeah, just such a fit, like I think, um, I didn't get to see too much of this game. So, Hara, maybe you're able to talk to it a little bit more. But in terms of just, like, on paper, that scoreline, and, all, of course, the the penalty save that's, well, one of the penalty saves that's rocked the nation. Um, you know, it, it's it's not it's it's not too shabby. I mean, it was, poor Angela. It was, yeah, clearly a pretty dominant performance, 28 shots to zero, seven shots on target to zero, 66% or something possession to the US. Like, we expected it to kind of go like this. But Vietnam, they were organised, they were disciplined. I mean, everyone, I think, has learned from the Thailand 13-0. Like, and you know, there's no actual shame. I think I saw Melissa Barbieri tweet this, that there's not actually any shame in some of these teams parking the bus. I mean, Ireland did it the other night. They're ranked like 22 in the world against a team ranked 12 spots higher than them. So you have Haiti, as we talked about, would have had every right to do it, but they didn't. They played really attacking football. Vietnam did it more, but they were really did really well to keep this score to, to 3-0. Um, they were pretty competitive. I think it was um, really Sophia Smith was the difference in this game. She is incredible. Um, I think, was it two goals and the assist? She's 22, first World Cup. She is just a star. Like... We knew she was good. You know, she's got that awesome Nike um, advert where she is like the villain in another player's like horror story, nightmare, um, you know, the, the nice to beat you ad, which is fantastic if you haven't watched it. Um, don't normally recommend going and watching ads, but you'll see it. You've probably seen it already. Um, yeah, she's awesome. Lindsay Horan rounds it out. Uh, Megan Rapinoe's 200th US cap as well after she came off the bench, uh, which is a great milestone given we know she's retiring at the end of the tournament. I mean, I think the US probably would feel like they left a few goals out there, right? But Vietnam deserve all the credit for, for keeping it low and it keeps their tournament alive, to be honest, like, because we expect this to come down to the USA and Netherlands in the, in the top two places. Portugal could still be a bit of a threat. Vietnam are very much the minnows. But, you know, getting that sort of scoreline in the first game, you go into the next couple with some real belief. Yeah, it, it's really good for them because I think, yeah, that unfortunately for Thailand, that result from last World Cup is just kind of going to loom over every David and Goliath battle. So the fact that Vietnam were able to kind of minimise the damage and actually really impress defensively as well. And I think the really important uh, thing for them as well was that they didn't drop off. There wasn't like a late flurry of goals because they couldn't hold out for the full 90. They absolutely were resolute for a full 90 minutes. Um, So I think they'll take a lot of um, pride out of that and they absolutely should. Also, the goalkeeper's save for Alex Morgan's penalty was very good. She should be absolutely stoked and she can forever say that she saved an Alex Morgan penalty, which is no small thing to scoff at. So, um, yeah, it was 
yeah, I think someone described it as because of the nature of the game, we also haven't really learned anything about the US from this game. So it's going to be very interesting what we see from them heading into their next matches where we should see a bit more, I suppose, um, attack from their opponents and actually see them asked some questions. So we're going to find out. We're going to see what's happening. Our final game of yesterday was the 10pm Perth kickoff on the East Coast, um, given real A-League Super Saturday, Match Day Saturday uh, vibes, but it was Denmark, China. On the day when Perth glory. Tony's <laughs> agenda the license back, Marissa. It's um, Australian soccer. You can't keep us down. You can't make us stop. Not even a World Cup could uh, keep it, us it, from. Life from birth. <sighs> anyway, that, that's a conversation for another day and other people. Another the, pod. Uh, yeah, basically. Good, good luck to Perth Glory, though, because obviously it affects the dub team and the men's team as well. We don't love to see that. So we hope that gets sorted. But um, back to the actual the actual football that was being played in Perth last mm-hmm. night. Denmark won China nil. Um, we were having this conversation, Harrow, I think the other day about how we couldn't believe that Denmark just hadn't been to a World Cup in a while. So, like, this was Neil Harder's debut World I Cup do. and a whole bunch of other... Danish stars it was their debut world cup so um yeah what did you watch much of this game because I know you were covering most of it yeah I missed probably the first half hour because of filing from the other game so I watched the rest um yeah it it wasn't the memorable game of the day if I'm honest um two shots on target each China were defending really sort of sternly and Denmark sort of were creating some chances. It was not a thriller. I felt like the winner was deserved. It felt like Denmark in the last 20 minutes really, really cranked up the heat, like really started to to pile the pressure on, created chances. Um, we're not surprised that Neil Harder was involved in a lot of that. Um, and, you know, I think it sort of sums up the game that, the substitute that comes on, Amelie Vansgaard, that comes on, scores the winner. She's been on the pitch about five minutes, gets given the FIFA player of the match. So that says a bit. Um, but, you know, seriously, that's that's crucial three points for Denmark. Um, and it's crucial for this group because I feel like England would have really gotten away with one if they had got three points out of their first game and Denmark and China were on a point each. Um, it keeps the group really, like, yeah, delicately balanced. I guess you got two clear teams that are playing really well. Uh, sorry, that sorry, they've got really good results in Denmark and England have got got the three points out of it. So it keeps things well and truly alive. I think Denmark must feel like they're in the best position to qualify now. I, I wouldn't write off China to make life really difficult for England as well. But the other thing this does is it, it does sort of um, keep Haiti well and truly in it. They must feel like they're alive. They took what the world number four almost all the way. I think this group's going to be really nicely poised for the the next couple of rounds of games to come. It it certainly doesn't feel like it's done and dusted. I mean, I know Denmark can, you know, the the fact that the England-Denmark game, I believe, splits the middle as well really keeps the group in an exciting position. So, yeah, it wasn't, wasn't the best game of the tournament, I'd say, last night, but well fought out by Denmark. Nice winner, this looping header. And did really the other players did really well. One was offside, but she didn't interfere with the play, and the other one that sort of was near the goalkeeper 
wasn't offside. So they managed to to work that really well. It was a lovely looping header to win it as well. So yeah, you take that if you're Denmark after, as you say, um, not being on this stage. I don't have it in front of me. What are the standings at the moment for this group, Group D? I mean, I'd say England and Denmark are on the same because they've each scored one goal and won one game. Yeah. So three points, three points. And then, um, yeah, Haiti and China each on zero points. No, I just mean I asked for the specifics because Mellon could have could actually be bang on with his Group G predictions at this point in time, but it just depends on how it's ended up, like how they split the, the England and then Denmark wins. Sorry, I'm just double-checking this. But, yeah, when um Haiti were doing really well yesterday, it was like, oh, Mellon's onto something. He could have predicted a winner here. <laughs> Let's not talk about Group B, though. His Group B predictions are... A mess, just a mess. We, we can't all be right all the them. time. <laughs> Says Anna, I was right, Harrington. <laughs> well, I said we can't uh, all be right. We really can't. Um, I ask you both, were there any other little bits, maybe things off the field you love to see or other little newsy bits you wanted to mention before we wrap things up for today? Oh, one tidbit from the the presser I did tune into from a preview, which was Sweden's um, uh, with Peter Gerhardsen and then Kosovar Aslani and Magdalene Eriksson were up afterwards. Was um, uh, Gerhardsen said that Aslani is going to be the um, the captain, obviously, uh, for their first game against South Africa um, today. And the talk was like, obviously, it's so windy. It's so windy. How are you going to handle the wind? And he says, well, Kosovar is actually really good at things like rock, paper, scissors and coin tosses. So we'll leave that to her. And she did not deny it. And that also sounds like Sweden have got some sort of little fun Olympics-y thing going on, um, World Cup of something that's not involving football going on in their camp, which given the competitive personalities in there would be very fun, but also maybe scary. So Sweden, just ticking along nicely. I've got really good vibes about them. They're always a contender. They get the really, really nice low-key build-up. Um, in comparison, like, you know, you're in – you're in New Zealand, but the US are the ones that really take the attention as well as the home side. I feel like they can, and Spain, you feel like they can just go on a really nice run, just knock over results. And before we know it, they'll be like in the semis and maybe even in the final, right? So the vibes, they're good. It sounds like a very Swedish thing to do, to be very competitive about something. Like Magdalena Eriksson, like getting competitive over rock, paper, scissors terrifies me as a thought. Um, my other favourite thing that I saw from yesterday, so obviously we spoke about Sophia Smith. She had the double. She had the assist. She was just terrifyingly good. She was the player of the match and she got the award from her dad and she's there and so there's literally vision of just her, thanks, Dad, while she's holding her little trophy. <laughs> and it was just very cute, very dorky. Um, so we absolutely love to see that. Um, but let's look ahead to today's game. So we've got Sweden and South Africa at 3 p.m. Australian Eastern Standard Time, uh, Netherlands and Portugal, and then France, Jamaica tonight. So we're hoping for goals from both sides. That's the one thing. We haven't had a game yet where both teams have scored. So hopefully somewhere in amongst these three games, we have our first match that has goals from both sides. But 
that's us done for today, I reckon. Thank you so much for tuning in. This has been the Express Post. We will be back tomorrow and the day after that, etc., 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 for the rest of this tournament. So we can't wait. As always, we're over on ESPN.com.au and the ESPN app. You can follow us on Spotify, Apple, Google, all of the usual pod spots. Like, subscribe, make sure that you get these daily podcasts straight into your feed. Uh, if you want to have a chat to us, we are at the Far Post Pod on all social media. But until tomorrow, slayers. Oh, 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 oh.